I'm Chad Rethermans. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And welcome to No Clip Pocket. It's time to duel. Today, we're going to be talking about Lost Kingdoms, which was a game that was developed by From Software, published by From Software and Activision, and was released in 2002 on the GameCube. But first, if you give us a like or a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. So, <laughs> Lost Kingdoms is similar to Rascal and the Bouncer and uh, Killing Zone because they're games that were played by someone as a child and they have a very fond memory of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I actually don't think that you guys ever had a fond memory of Rascal. It was just (laughs) sort of an air of mystery. Yeah, that's accurate. Yeah. Uh, But now it's my turn. Lost Kingdoms was a game that I played a lot as a kid. It is a card-based battling RPG. Uh and we'll get into the mechanics because that's going to be the majority of it, but I think that covers the genre. Even calling it an RPG is kind of like the, it's like flavored like an RPG. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, card based RPG. Uh, there are a couple of those. <laughs> um, yeah, so you just, you, you fight like an action RPG, but your moves are dictated by cards. Yeah. And they're like weird mechanics associated with using the cards themselves, which we'll talk about. Um, One of the things that I associate with RPGs Mm -hmm. is uh, games that have lighter, like mechanical implementation in order to focus on something else, typically a narrative. That isn't this game at all. Um, (laughs) This game is a mechanics-first type of game uh, that ends up being pretty short when you play if you play through it with the goal of completing it. Uh, And the narrative is just bone dry. There's (laughs) very little of it, and what is there is incredibly simple to describe. Yeah, I don't know if it's just a coincidence, but it's something that like reminded me of the Souls games. Um, yeah. Which From Software would go on to develop, as I'm sure you're aware. <laughs> um, but you get like backstory and stuff from talking to the red fairies. And yes. it felt kinda like and like you get the story from the item description sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's just been their style the whole time or <laughs> that's a coincidence. Yeah. I would love to see the like overlap between people who worked on this mm. and were still there nine years later to make Dark Souls or seven years later to yeah. make Demon Souls. Uh, because I can't imagine it's a huge number of people, but you know there's like a guy. Oh yeah. Who's like real big into something. Uh, I did not like redline the, the the credits of the two games together to be able to tell you who was, was present. But mm-hmm. it feels like I feel like it's funny, I guess we should address, it is a From Software game, mm-hmm. uh, and people have largely, recently, been going back to From Software's catalog of games that, for the most part, didn't do spectacularly well. They weren't a bad developer, people didn't like hate their games, but mm-hmm. they kind of flew under the radar like a lot of games at this time that were like not the huge tentpole releases did. Yeah. I think their their biggest hit was the Armored Core franchise, yeah. and that was mostly popular in Japan, I think, and not really over here. Yeah. And I think the same sort of applies to something like Kingsfield. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. We, we actually have a couple in the chamber for some point in the future uh, to go over a little bit more from older catalog. But it is, it's interesting to look at because of, like, what a household name they are now. And, like, I, it took me a long time to get obsessed with the Souls games, but let me tell you, I was head over heels with this game when I was a kid. Um, so, what you do in this game, uh, you play as Katia, uh, a princess who looks a lot like Princess Zelda in a crop top, uh, and you go around, uh, and collect cards that you use in combat, uh, you have a stock of cards that is referred to as your deck. Uh, it can contain up to 30 cards made up of anything that's in your inventory, and you can swap them out, and you can even have multiple decks that you can switch out 
if you want to. <laughs> and you have to use these magic stones to cast the cards, like to throw them. Yeah, like mana. Yeah, and then the cards come in multiple different flavors uh, and like uh, of being either a summon or an independent monster uh, or like a, a weapon type mm-hmm. or a trap type. I think they're actually even more like they're independent monsters that are called spinners that just go around the player. Mm-hmm. And there's like the ones that are like the special cards that have like a little animation, like a little cutscene when you summon them. Yeah, those are the summons. Okay. They're, so I guess they like replace your character model. It's, right. it's a strange one. Uh, but yeah, and you just sort of, there's a lot of customization that is available to the player, but I'm going to argue most people probably won't. That's probably not true. At the time, people playing this game probably got to see a lot of it. If you're just trying to play the game and get to the end of the game, you won't engage with a ton of that customization. I feel like that's <laughs> going to be the biggest hurdle on this this run through. Yeah, it it um I think it it's short to incentivize you to like experiment with that stuff, like play it again and use different decks and stuff. Mhm. But yeah, like from like a modern perspective, it does feel like on a first time play, like it hurts a first time playthrough. Like it was much, we've talked about this before, I think concentrated a lot on pocket for some reason. Like in older games, it was more common to like people would just get a game and that's what they would be playing for the next like several months or whatever. Like people just didn't buy as many games back then yeah. for one reason or another. Uh, so, like, you get games like this that are designed with that in mind. And, yeah, like, going back to them, it can cause, like, yeah, like, it just, like, you just play it through once and you don't really engage with, like, all there is to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it does genuinely hurt this game a little bit because there's, I have these, these like, grand memories of of playing this game as a kid where I would have... Like I would, I would actually grind in this game, which I think is how the game is sort of designed. Uh, the levels, with a few exceptions, are mostly pretty short, and I think they want you to basically intentionally fail them several times before actually completing them. Going through and like capturing monsters and building up sort of a collection of things in the dungeon, finding all the treasure chests and the fairies, and then building a deck from the best things that you've gotten out of that. And even there's a whole mechanic, like a, a buy and sell cards mechanic from our friendly shopkeeper, Gerd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and the only way to get gold in this game is by selling cards. Like you don't just amass gold. It's not a pickup. It's not like a monster drop or something. It just, you only get it by selling cards to Gerd. Mm-hmm. Uh, so gold, I guess, is like company script in this world, <laughs> which is a little strange. Um, and so you there's like all of these mechanics that incentivize you having a lot of cards, like a ton of copies of cards so that you can sell them to buy the unique cards that you do want. And then you grind those cards and can copy them. And all of this takes a very long time, and we didn't do it in the year this, the year of our Lord 2022. Yeah, it it does feel strange um, the way that like the buying and selling of the cards works, like because you get a lot of cards mm-hmm. just from playing. Like I I would just forget <laughs> that that was even a thing. Like it um it, it makes you go back there a few times for like story progression and talk to Gerd, um, and yeah, like I don't know, I like. I didn't sell any cards until, like, three-fourths of the way through. I was like, oh, okay, I guess I have, like, a bunch of a couple of cards. I'll sell some of them. Yeah, I, I, with the benefit of knowledge of having played this game before, knew that buying and selling cards was a function. And I also didn't do it until about halfway, three-quarters of the way through the game. Mm-hmm. Because that's when it started offering things at a high enough level that I felt like it was worth getting. Mm-hmm. A lot of the stuff that is offered in the early game is like a lizard. I was like, I don't need another lizard. I got yeah, seven got lizards. A lot of lizard men got already. <laughs> I'm lousy with lizards right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there was really never a reason. I ended up selling a bunch of those lizards for a paltry sum that I then used to buy like the tiger mage, mm-hmm. uh, which is the real shit that you do want. Uh, 
So, yeah, it's it's weird because it does. It feels like they really want you to spend a lot of time and amass a bunch of things and and strategically work on making a deck that functions. But then the game doesn't make you do that to succeed. Mm-hmm. You just can do fine with kind of a random mix of cards that are at least okay. Yeah, yeah. It's like it, it feels like the mechanics are designed for like a longer or denser game mm-hmm. and it just is like four hours long. <laughs> so yeah, if you want to interact with that, you really have to make it happen yourself and like invest a lot of extra time um in a like a counterintuitive kind of way Mm -hmm. yeah because it the game never really asks like it of you to like do all that stuff until like the end yeah you got the obligatory end game (laughs) difficulty spike but uh yeah you i you coast through it pretty easily you know yeah you'll lose to a a few bosses a few times but like you'll get it Mm. with just your regular deck yeah that's really the thing like it is until, like, the very last level, and also some of the optional levels. That is the other thing. If you're going for a more complete playthrough of the game, I think you will end up engaging with these. Like, I know one of the, the things that I set out to do when I was a kid was I made a deck that was just 30 copies of the Kraken card. And I didn't run into a Kraken at all in this playthrough. I think maybe it's in the water secret temple area mm. in the next to last level uh, that takes you to an optional level, um, but it might not be. I don't remember. <laughs> it's been a long time, and I haven't looked it up, uh, but I'm pretty sure that you don't just get handed Krakens left and right, so I was like grinding for experience on the Krakens and then copying them. Um, so if you are going for something like complete all the levels then you will end up, like, actually having to engage. But up until the last level, like, even some of the levels that are harder are easier on subsequent playthroughs because you know how to beat them. Mm-hmm. That That's, like, a big thing, is a lot of the difficulty in this game is just the game doesn't tell you shit, and you just have to figure out what you have to do to win. Mm-hmm. It'll say, like, clear condition, get to the exit, but to get to the exit, you have to smash five breakable glass objects and kill the monsters inside, then fight a mind flare, and then get to the exit. Right. It's like, it's there's a big gap between your stated goal and what you actually have to do. Right. Get those standard, like, old janky puzzles and stuff (laughs) yep really vague and kind of difficult to tell what even happens when you Mm -hmm. complete the puzzles there's kind of a charm in that at least to me but yeah i mean it takes me back (laughs) i'm coming at this with whatever the opposite of a defensive stance yeah i wouldn't call it an offensive (laughs) stance so there's no way that's the what i mean uh because i enjoyed my time here uh, and a lot of that is nostalgia. Yeah. Heavy, heavy layers of creamy nostalgia <laughs> floated on the top of my playthrough. Yeah, this, I, I didn't, I've never played this game before, but like mm-hmm. it, I mean, we, we've we once again talked about this sort of thing on the podcast before, but like it gave me like nostalgia for the time period, like it, like PS2 nostalgia uh, playing this. So I, I, I found it to be very like charming. Mm-hmm. In the in with my old games literacy, uh, so I, yeah, I enjoyed it too. Yeah, and it it was almost like unintentionally helped by the fact that we have a very particular setup, uh, and because we we do when we can play games on original hardware, and I do have a GameCube copy of this, but the GameCube has a. Uh, like a six foot cable on its controller. Yep. So (laughs) I had to sit very close to the TV and like, I was like laying on the couch, but like facing the TV. So I was as close as possible to it. Mm -hmm. uh, So the controller cable doesn't pull out of the GameCube. And, uh, it, that was also, like, nostalgic. Like, I felt like I should have a surge mm-hmm. with me while I was doing and it. your big league chew. And some big league chew and grinding out some cards. Yeah. Listening to OPM's Menace <laughs> to Sobriety on cassette. What else did I do when I was... 
and ask your mom to get you more gushers. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, take everything, basically take everything I say <laughs> positive with a grain of salt, but I am trying to sort of like come at this more objectively. Yeah. And I do think some of the missions are a little bit bullshit, <laughs> but they aren't when you repeat them. Yeah. That's like the saving grace. Yeah. Like the, my biggest complaints with this are that I don't like that you have to replay the whole level if you lose, which is a classic older game problem. Mm-hmm. Um, like there was the one in the mine where you, there's like the whole gimmick of the level is that you like following this guard through the mine because mm-hmm. um, he says he's going to protect you, but you end up protecting him because he just like curls up in a fetal position when <laughs> stuff attacks you uh-huh. um, until you get to the end and then you fight a boss. And I lost to the boss a couple times. And then the time that I ended up beating the boss, I like was like, can I, I I'm just not going to follow the guy and see what happens. And if you do that, there's no enemy encounters in the whole level, and you can just run straight to the boss and do it again with all your cards. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I didn't. I actually, did, I followed the guy, lost in the level one time, and then went back and followed the guy again mm-hmm. on my second. So I had no idea that that was the case, and it's very funny that that's yeah. just the way that level works for some reason. Mm-hmm. Because there is a benefit this is kind of what I want to talk about in terms of, like, how this is an RPG in the lightest kind of ways. There is still a benefit to fighting enemies, right? Because your cards get experience points. Right. But it's so fucking hard, like, casually. If you're going in with a focus, I imagine this isn't as hard to do. But it's hard to manage getting experience points on a card, because it has to be the card that deals the killing blow to the enemy. Right. Unless it is a support card. Like, if you use, like, a Rebus or a Fairy, you just get experience for using it. Mm-hmm. But it's so strange, because you'll, like, pull out, uh, you'll, like, your big giant card that you love. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll you'll use it like jack o lantern. Yeah, it's one of my faves. I hate that card. Yeah. We have very different. I love this because we'll get to talk about it. Um, but yeah, you get out your big bomb and yeah. it deals like all the damage to the enemy. And then skeleton rolls in and is just like, yeah, <laughs> karate chops the guy for the last point of damage. And skeleton gets all the boss experience, mm-hmm. uh, which. I mean, I guess some of the upgraded skeletons are pretty good, but... Yeah, steel skeleton. <laughs> it's not what you wanted, though. Mm-hmm. I found that to be, like... I mean, I found it more funny, because I was never really going for a specific, like, card advancement track. I was just playing the game. Mm-hmm. But I was like, man, if I really wanted, you know, uh, Dragon Slayer Ornstein to get the... Dra- I forget what it's called. Dragon Knight? Yeah, Dragon Knight. Yeah. To get the experience points on this, then and skeleton rolled in and and drop kicked a chimera to death. I would be pretty upset about that. Yeah, yeah. It it's it's weird because it's just like it's hard to even really notice the benefits. Mm-hmm. So like yeah, like I, I if you're playing this casually, like you're probably not gonna really even like not like engage with it at all. Or even really notice that your cards are leveling up. <laughs> well, I don't think they level up. Or, or gaining experience. Yeah, like because they gain experience and then you spend that experience to copy or transform them right. at the apothecary. Um, but I do agree with the sentiment that you might not know what the hell is happening. Mm-hmm. It does tell you at the end of every... You would have to be like really paying attention. I, this might be being a little bit too generous to the point, but it is like... You have to recognize that only the last hit is getting experience, and then when you go to Gertz, you have to figure out that's almost, I almost, that is the name of a, a plastic tube-based yogurt snack. <laughs> go uh, Gertz. Go, yeah, when you go to Gertz, uh, <laughs> notice that the ones that are getting the experience is that that is the currency you're spending. Uh which is also weird, and also kind of Souls-like, you know? Like, yeah. the experience points are your currency in the game. But the, the experience points also do nothing else, so they're basically not that. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and, like, for me, like, I early on, I, like... Because I, I had, like, like, as we said, a bunch of lizard men early uh-huh. on, as you do. 
and like I uh, transformed some of them, and like I transformed like them into like a, I can't even remember what he was called. Some kind of weird, like, thing. I had, like, a curved scythe. A scythe beast. Scythe beast. And, like, I really didn't like it. Uh, like, it, it seemed like it just made him worse. Yeah. So, like, I was always really hesitant to transform cards. Mm-hmm. So. There were a few... There's, like, a few kinds of card that when you do the transformation, they're, like, lowest tier transformation just flips back and forth between them. So, like, I think it's the Dark Raven can become Birdman for a thousand experience points. And then uh, Birdman can become Dark Raven for a thousand experience points. Right. So you kind of can swap between them. And so, yeah, you do. I got trapped by that. I made a Sight mm-hmm. Beast. I made a whatever else. I made a Birdman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it is, it's a bummer when yeah. that happens. Yeah. So, yeah, it made me, like, hesitant to engage with that mechanic, too. Like, yeah. I, I went back, as I think I said earlier, like to about like three-fourths of the way through the game and transformed some more cards and got ones that were good. But mm-hmm. like I was just kind of ignoring it for a big chunk of the game, and it didn't really matter. No. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I loved um, – there's a, a, a thing. Like whenever you get a new card or get a transformer card, you can press the Y button, and it'll bring up this like – very antiquated looking four panel menu that has the stats of the card which are incomprehensible to me Uh i don't know what they why does the lizard man have a defense he's a attack card like he can't take hits (laughs) it just there's but it has a thing and then there's also to the right the monster stats so when you fight them in the field what their stats are and now the defense makes sense but sometimes it's different so it doesn't it doesn't track with me how they extracted some of these numbers Mm -hmm. and then there will be like a flavorful description of it of the card and of the monster on the other side uh and i found these incredible i loved reading these like little lore bits about all of the monsters and i don't really have any favorites to point out i just think they're all very good mm-hmm. in like a cheesy sort of way that i like yeah <laughs> but that is how you could determine if a transform card was better is by reading that and also figuring out what any of the numbers mean right if you look, you even have, like, a stats page that has, like, your poison resistance and shit. Yeah. I don't know how that even gets changed or affected. I, I don't know any of this. It's very strange to me. Unless it's just a default number that they're just showing you. Uh, uh. <laughs> um, so another thing I wanted to talk about is uh, I wanted to compare this with Chain of Memories, like yeah. the, the Kingdom Hearts game. It came out on the GBA in like 2004. Mm-hmm. Uh, after like playing this game, I, it feels like there's a lot of like influence um, that I never knew about um, on Chain of Memories because like the like experience is dropped from enemies and it's like these little crystals and like that look almost exactly the same. They're even like red and blue uh-huh. um, and they're like different sizes and stuff, um, which was interesting. And the way you like run from battles is the same. Like, you just run at the edge of the screen. And, like, in uh, Chain of Memories, the original version on the, on the Game Boy Advance was, um, like, isometric. And, like, the like the, the levels were, like, uh, you know, you, you would hit the boundary of the level, like, very much like an old game kind of thing. And I don't know, it just all felt very, like... You can feel the influence if, you, if, you, if you've played it yeah. uh, between the two, which I just found really interesting. Um, and that'll segue into my next thing that, um, in this game, if you run out of cards, you just lose, Uh which is something I really didn't like. And the way that chain of memories handles that is that you, when you run through your deck, you recharge it. Like you have to hold the a button and Mm -hmm. it like fills up a meter and then you get all your cards back. But I think you have one less each time. So you can keep using your cards a lot longer. And then. It counts up to three, and each time the recharge is slower yeah. until you hit the third time, and then it's just, that's the max slow. <laughs> so I, I feel like, yeah, some kind of system 
where you can like make a comeback or like not just have to die if you run out of cards would be nice. Yeah, I I thought about this because in the early game part of the game, uh, it is inevitable that you will run out of cards eventually. Most fights will be lost uh, at the last possible second. And you will be crushed by the fact that you just don't have any damaging cards left and can't finish off the boss. Uh, Which, you know, happened to me a couple of times playing through the game this time. And I got to thinking about the mechanic and how it worked. And I agree it is flawed. I think that it is the game's primary idea for its failure state. And it designed a lot of the game around it in a way that I don't love. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I think, so, yeah, you have a maximum of 30 cards that you can take with you, and the second that you have 30 cards, you stuff them all in the deck, because Mm -hmm. you need that longevity to be able to finish the levels. And so, the way that they design the levels is that they tend to be these big, sprawling levels with really simple objectives, with seemingly the goal of just making it an endurance test. And I think that this causes two major problems. One, you, the player, hate fighting monsters, which sucks, because the card battling mechanics are actually cool and fun to engage with, but it feels like this inevitability of, I'm never, I, there's, I have to just run away because it cost me one card, And if I fight these monsters, it will definitely take more than one card. So the risk-reward is way balanced in the runaway favor. Yeah, it it, adds this, like, almost, like, stressful element of, like, you're always... (laughs) Engaging in combat means you lose cards. Uh And that just feels bad. Mm -hmm. Especially with the random nature of the game, Yeah, and because it's random encounters, it's not like you can uh, strategically avoid... (laughs) You know, like uh, an RPG that would just, like, have the enemies roaming around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like... Because, like, I tried to compare this with other games, and the first one that I compared it to, obviously, is Dark Souls. Uh, and I was like, so in Dark Souls, you are also kind of losing resources as you progress toward your next checkpoint. But in Dark Souls, you know that there's a chance that you could go in and out of an encounter and lose nothing. Uh, And obviously, like you just mentioned, there's ways of just avoiding enemies. Uh, So that didn't work. I scrapped that one. (laughs) And then I went to Pokemon. I think this is probably the best one. Because the the, functionally what this system does is make random encounters worse. And they already weren't any good to begin with. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most RPGs these days shy away from the true, just a random pop-up with no visual indication. Uh, thing because it sucks for the player and (laughs) but when you're playing pokemon and you're in the tall grass and you know that you can encounter something you still have options to change what resource you're using Mm -hmm. so like if you want to you can use a different pokemon if you need to save your moves or something uh or keep something at high hp in this game they're just going to deal you four cards and you can like burn them uh, to get cards that are less important, but then you're just going to keep getting those good cards that you want to save off the top of your deck at every encounter. It's just like, it feels like you don't have the control you need over what resources you're using, and so you just hate using the resources. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and in Pokemon, you can just run away with no penalty Yeah, uh, most of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it is, it's strange. Um, yeah, like... It'd be like if you ran away, like, it dealt damage to one of your Pokemon. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Or, like, yeah, it poisons somebody. Yeah. You're like, ah, shit. And there were um, there were some battles that, like, you can't run from, mm-hmm. um, which was annoying. Like, like, there was the level where it has, like, a mini boss against the Lich in the middle, and then it's, like, a, a big bee and two archers or whatever. It's, the, like, the, the final boss of the area. Yeah. Which I, I had some trouble with that boss, so I had to fight it, like, a couple of times. And it was, like, really annoying, because, like, on the first screen, there's just a uh, scripted, unavo- like, unrunawayable 
fight against like a dragon knight yeah. that you have to do every single time <laughs> in a way that was really annoying. Yeah. It's like, I just want to get to the lich. <laughs> yeah. And also, can we just talk about, this is the other thing. And I'll, I'll get back to my second point about why I don't like the, the way that the card ending system works. Mm. Uh, but we're going to veer way off because I hate the pacing of this game is fucking wacky and makes no sense to me. Uh, and that is a perfect microcosm for it. This level, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, it hasn't been that long since I played it, but apparently my brain is melted. Uh, that is the level where you find the corpse of your dad, right? Like he's he, dying in the in the desert. Uh, yeah, he's it's it's like a battlefield. I don't think it's a desert, but uh, I guess that doesn't really matter. It's a big brown place. Yeah, uh, but he, yeah, he's like fighting the bee uh, boss, and it kills him. Yeah, and then yeah, he like dies in your arms or whatever after the fight. The classic dad move. So yeah, that does happen. You run into the king. Yeah. on the battlefield and. You, he is killed by a a big bee mm-hmm. and some and a tree archer. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> How difficult would it have been to swap the two bosses? Mm. Like, why do you fight a a zombie dragon and a lich, and then a bee? <laughs> like it's there's no grandeur to a, just a bee. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it because they didn't want to mess with the stats and like the bee was harder. The bee is harder for what it's worth. Yeah, they're like, well, we could like make the zombie and lich more difficult and the bee easier, but uh, uh, yeah, man. yeah. No, it would have been much more thematically appropriate for the king to die fighting a dragon. Yeah, and, be... and a lich king. It's like. This might be, I mean, history buffs, correct me, uh, except don't because I'm gonna meet, I'm gonna say this in the in terms of fiction. This may be the first fictional king ever killed by a bee. <laughs> I don't think that that's a thing. That sounds like a like a myth, like a Greek or like Norse myth. Uh-huh. Like the, the god's one weakness was like a bee allergy or something. <laughs> That another god found out about and stung him with a bee mm-hmm. and killed him. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, it would be. Well, if it was like a Norse myth, then they wouldn't like. Because the thing he would do is release like a whole hive of bees mm-hmm. into the god's living room. I don't know, wherever <laughs> he's hanging out. They probably like took a bee stinger and put it on an arrow and had somebody mm-hmm. shoot it. Yeah. Um,. Yeah, he just dies to a bee. Uh, And it sucks because you go through the whole lich dragon fight and it feels like a boss. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, surprise, the actual boss is way less cool. Yeah, (laughs) just kind of lame. Oh, yeah, run it back briefly. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) I do have to mention the other thing that I hate about the running out of card system is that I think it actually could have been good but they took it in the opposite direction than they should have. Rather than making the level super long so that you hated doing battles, they should have just made the level shorter and the battles more intense and probably not done random encounters so that you knew you had to get through a certain number of fights with the deck of cards that you have. Uh, and it wouldn't, like... Because I think it's fine to have decking out be a failure state. They also probably should have should just kill you automatically yeah, rather or, than make you get farted on for 30 minutes. Yeah, or like let it let you like pause it and like hit restart or something. Yeah, but you can't pause once you're in battles and stuff. Or I think you can pause, but the abort thing yeah, is not there. Yeah, but you can't there. do anything, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh very lame. The, the game has checkpoints. There are checkpoints already in the game, Yeah, like guys. you could yeah, respawn at those little things that refill your health, yeah. Yeah. There's lots of, of things they could have done to make this less player-unfriendly, but they just chose not to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got anything else? Because I have one thing. Uh, yeah, I've got, like, a couple, like, random, straggly uh, thoughts. Um, I this is a more like me thing. I think I think it's totally fine that this mechanics in the game, but like, I, I really dislike that, like that uh, enemies can turn you to stone <laughs> um, yeah. because like it can really just fuck you. 
like you'll get you get certain attacks it's hard to tell like what kind of attacks will do it um but like some attacks will turn you to stone and then you can just get pummeled by a bunch of attacks and just die in a way that just feels kind of unfair mm-hmm. i do i feel like the um this this to me feels like one of the most old games things in the game yeah like, i think it's a balancing thing because like to like keep you from just running around and never taking a hit uh-huh. <laughs> they have to if you do fuck up they punish you pretty hard for yeah. it um yeah it's interesting in that way because like that i feel like i've definitely played other games where there would just be it you feel pretty okay going through it but then just through some unfortunate confluence of events like the uh the bell sprout uh vine wrap thing mm, or rap yeah. i forget what it is yeah rap and, like, uh, there's a couple other moves like that, but... Yeah, where, like, a lot of times you just run into a Pokemon that just, like, makes it so that you can't play the game for a long time. Yeah, and it's even bugged in Gen 1, like, you can get stuck infinitely <laughs> in rap without being able to do anything. Mm-hmm. Which sucks real bad, mm-hmm. but to me feels the same... It seems like the same kind of oversight that led to paralysis in this game, sometimes just completely fucking you. Because it's really, like... I think the the actual health and combat mechanics are pretty forgiving in just actual battling. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is the endurance test of finishing with 30 cards is, is the issue. Um, but I will note that near the end of the game, you are given a lot of tools to restore cards. So, like, this mm-hmm. is me just getting out in front of criticism, essentially. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, if you do build your deck with that in mind, you can make it through. But you kind of have to know when you need them. So, I don't know. What did you feel about the other status conditions? Like, uh, Poison and all of the ones that I couldn't tell you what they were doing because they just changed me to a color or put a weird aura around me? Um, I I can't say that I even really noticed. Uh, I, I, poison, yeah, I noticed Poison and Stone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought Poison was fine. It does what Poison does. Um, but yeah, other than that, it seemed very, like, like not a part of of the game yeah or like not very it's not very noticeable i i also should mention while we're talking about things that aren't very noticeable the uh, elemental system feels impossibly hard to wrap your head around and it might be one because i'm stupid and two because they used wood instead of grass as the word for it mm-hmm. which confuses me and i could never tell what it was on the wheel because when I think wood, I think of the color brown, but there's an earth element, and that one is brown. Mm. Uh, and then you're randomly dealt four cards, and how are you supposed to choose the right one? It's just luck if you're going to have a card that is strong against something. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's it. I found it frustrating that they told me about that mechanic, and then I felt like I had no way of interacting with it. Yeah, like... To the point where I forgot it was a thing until you get to the end. Um, was it like the second to last level? You're in like a temple or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how you access those rooms. You have to have 30 different cards of that element. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not in your deck, just at all. At all. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I, I didn't wasn't able to open any of them. Yeah, so. same. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I guess, takes you to optional areas. Yeah. Um, it seemed cool. I would have liked to have checked them out, but I was not able to. Uh, much like Tiny Tina's Wonderland, one of them is like a cool dune oasis that you uh, probably would have really liked to look at. That does sound pretty cool. <laughs> I see more of those Lost Kingdoms. Yeah. But it wasn't to be. No. Uh, speaking of which, I think this is just a good place to put this. Um, like Presentationally, um, I think I actually like the way this game looks a good deal. Um, it, it is like a nostalgia heavy, like definitely console limitation, uh, as far as the graphics and things go, but it, it has like a, not, not at all unique look, but it is like this, this very like early Dungeons and Dragons style mythical fantasy creatures thing. Yeah, no, I like it too. Um, I think yeah, there's just something about like once again like that quotes air old game charm. Mm-hmm. Like something about like like textures and older video games just have like a certain look and feel to them that I like. 
Um, but yeah, like I think this is like one of the f- strengths of From Software, um, from all their games that I've played, is like they're good at making a world that feels interesting. Like I thought, like, even though this game is short and a lot of the story is like buried under stuff, um, like I, I, I liked it and like I wanted to know more about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that's that they have a knack for that. Um, in because it can be really. I think I like fantasy a lot, but like it can be really easy to make something that feels generic when it comes to fantasy because there's so many like well-established tropes, and I just think they do a good job of like making things that feel unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think especially in the uh, like design of the, <laughs> I guess like the interacting card systems is sort of what makes me drawn to it i like that you have this like the illustrations yeah I, they look really sick yeah they feel like monster manual e mm-hmm. and it makes me very giddy to look through all the cards and be like oh mm-hmm. I, I know that one i fought one of those with a mace when i was fucking i guess 22 whenever <laughs> i started playing goddamn dungeons and dragons mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh but it does it just feels like kind of nostalgic and cool and I, I, I like that stuff about it. I even like the fact that, like, when you enter a battle, it just sort of, like, lops off, like, a big mm-hmm. cross-section of the map. Uh, looks very neat to me. I like they just kind of lock everything out. Yeah, it is actually... It's not, like, an abstract, like, tile set that's the same mm-hmm. as the level. It's, like, actually a little chunk of the level. Yeah, I remember at the beginning of the game, they tell you, like, oh, if you look at the mini-map, it shows where there are obstacles. And I was like, why would you put it on the mini-map that there's, like, a tree here? It's a weird thing to do. But it's so that you can, uh, like, steer around them so that if you hit a random encounter, you won't be blocked by stuff so you can move more freely. And, like, getting caught in, like, a dense area is actively detrimental to you. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a cool strategic thing. Not that I really ever gave it that much thought. Yeah. But, like, the tools are there if you wanted to think about the game more than I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, last thing, I uh-huh. swear to God. What kind of cards do you like to play? <laughs> um, I don't know if I'm going to have, like, a good answer to this, but, like... I really liked just, like, the attack cards, I think, the best. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt like the go-to strategy for a lot of bosses were, like, bait out an attack, then run in and hit them with an attack card, like a lizard man mm-hmm. or a dragon knight, or, you know, there were a couple of cards like that. Like, the ghost knights later on um, did a bunch of damage and stuff. So those kind of cards were the ones that I favored the most. I also liked the ranged ones, like the bird oh, I liked. yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think my my main point in asking this was just to repeat myself like I always do, and that the fact that it plays a big summoning animation every time that you uh, cast a summon card uh, fucking drives me insane and made me rip all of them out of my deck and never played mm. them. Uh, there are a few that you just absolutely have to, like your healing cards and the, one, and the restorative cards are all summons, so... Uh, Oh, oh no, I got fucked by that. But for the most part, yeah, attack cards and independent cards made up most of the things that I did. Mm-hmm. I just felt like they were consistent and yeah. didn't take a really long time. <laughs> the, you don't even get a big power boost for having a big animation play and have it burn your whole card. Mm-hmm. Like, the, there are cards that for a similar cost in gems... A much faster casting time deal more damage. And it's just bizarre to me that that is the case. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. And then the fucking final boss, which is a two-phase nightmare of a final boss, has just cast those cards constantly. Yeah, that annoyed the crap out of me. For like for me, like I didn't. I found the animations were short enough that it didn't really bother me mm-hmm. in comparison to something like Final Fantasy X. Yeah, where I think it is a much more legitimate complaint that you can't skip those cutscenes. But you, d- you should else. first of all, you should be able to skip the cutscenes. You're correct. Yeah, but you do it one time. Yeah, and then they're out. This happens over and over again in a single yeah. battle. It just is wild. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it. You should probably be able to skip them because the uh, novelty wears off. 
but it uh, didn't really bother me that much. But where it did bother the crap out of me is there's two different bosses that are other summoners mm-hmm. that you fight, and they'll play those cards over and over again, <laughs> and it drove me nuts. Cause, and it's like, especially the girl who's like the rival summoner, Yeah. Um, she plays like the same one over and over again, where she turns <laughs> into like the rock thing and shoots a bunch of mines out yeah oh man that drove me crazy <laughs> yeah it is really annoying and the the final boss does it all the time as well yeah, with the elephant the fucking elephant and the vampire whatever else he uses mm-hmm. uh yeah it's 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 very irritating and i don't like it that's all though yeah we can move on <laughs> to the end of the podcast yeah do we have f- fucking thoughts Hold on. There's a there's gotta be a F card. Why am I blanking on this? Like a f- fart goblin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, that's the one. Do we have farting goblin thoughts? Uh, my farting goblin thoughts are um, this. I like that we went back to this one Mm -hmm. um it's like a it is like a nice short game like um and i like i said it it was charming to me like um i would have loved this as a kid for sure and um i had two stray things i just wanted to like throw in in my final thoughts because they weren't really that important but um this game has the kingdom is enveloped in a black fog apparently that's like another (laughs) through line that um from software seems to love doing like the colorless deep fog from demon souls mm-hmm. and the foggy eights from the souls games it's just been a running thing which i thought was fun and then the shops in this remind me of another from software game i played as a kid uh called evergrace they felt very similar um so i just wanted to throw that out as well but um yeah with that said like the game does have, like, old game jank, you know, you have to replay levels, which was the biggest blight, in my opinion, um, having to run back through them every time to refight the boss. Um, but other than that, like, I, you compared this to other games we've talked about from our childhoods that didn't hold up very well, and I think this was, like, definitely steps above those. Like, I thought this was actually pretty fun. Um, definitely flawed, but um, still, like, much more enjoy- enjoyable and accessible than other things that we've done so yeah overall i liked it um wasn't wowed by it or anything but it was a good time yeah uh (laughs) um i feel fairly similarly i'd say this is a game that i played a lot when i was a child and honestly like it's (laughs) it's a game that i played so much and still had a perfectly well-working copy of on the gamecube to play and it's something that I've brought up in the past, and it really is a no-brainer for us to do it for the podcast. And like all no-brainers that we should do for the podcast, we didn't do it for six years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was happy that when I played this, I didn't feel like I unleashed a plague of locusts <laughs> on on the the episode because it, it is not a trash fire. But also, I think maybe making me more comfortable with this kind of a thing, we have played games that were really bad that we still loved playing for their own sake. So I think that we have gotten to a point where a lot of things sort of run off of us. We we don't get hung up on little uh, shit when it comes to these old games, so... I was really happy to go back and, and still enjoy it. I think <laughs> the game has problems very obviously. The We talked about the card system. The pacing is weird. It's an RPG, but once you get your first like power up, you get the next three like right in a fucking row. I think there's literally like one uh, level between the third and fourth runestones. Like, you just get them, which increase your health and magic and everything else. So, it's, like, got these weird issues. The fucking battle music is the same in every battle for the entire game, from the first battle to the final boss, and it gets... So, it does feel old, and it feels janky, and it feels weird, but it's kind of... it's It doesn't feel as unique now as it did then, but it's one of those things that when you go back to it, you go, like, 
I can kind of see other games cherry picking some things from this uh, to make these interesting card systems and doing other things. And like, probably there are other games that this is basing some of its mechanics on, but I don't know. It sold well enough and it got a sequel uh, on the GameCube as an exclusive for the GameCube, which is so weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I think that there's a fan base out there for this and people who will like it if they pick it up. So I I enjoyed it. I give it a yes a yes plus. Yeah, it is super niche. Mm. I was gonna say that at some point and forgot. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just very, very niche. Yeah. Super not for everyone kind of game. Yeah. Thank you for listening to No Clip Pocket this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, we're going to be talking about Hylix, uh, which is, I don't know, kind of a JRPG, but you're going to have to look it up to figure out how it is yeah, that. If you've listened to the podcast, uh, we did an episode on a game called Dujana, which this game has shades of, like visually and mm-hmm. uh Maybe thematically, I don't know. I haven't played a game yet. Yeah. But um, it also feels like it's a little bit earthbound e, like a little bit more JRPG. Yeah. So something a very weird game is basically what I'm trying to say. You got a lot more out of that trailer than I did. Uh, I, I I already knew about the game. Like I've I've looked it up before. Oh uh, yeah. And until that time, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com. There you can find. All of our uh, old episodes, our Discord server, the uh, our email address, Twitter account, uh, and the YouTube channel. Uh, <laughs> you can listen to older episodes, such as the one that we did on Killing Zone. <laughs> <laughs> or Inscription, which we just did recently. That is another card-based game. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you liked this game, I would probably recommend playing uh, Chain of Memories, even though I haven't played <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, now you'll you'll be surprised if you if you ever pick it up how similar a lot of stuff is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know, like Final Fantasy X. I, I don't know, like other <laughs> other JRPGs. Cast a spell at yeah. that like button. Summon a skeleton so he can leap and hit the <laughs> bell with his scimitar. Uh-huh. Taking the precious subscription experience away from your the greatest monster, you. <laughs> Summon the lycanthrope so that he can miss with his attack in the comment section. Dude, fuck that dumb lycanthrope card. It never hit for me. Um, You're just not a master of positioning like Andy? <laughs> Sorry, I did have a moment where I considered going, <laughs> okay. but it just isn't there.